Garrett. Now, that's a good old-fashioned word. It's defined by the Oxford Languages Dictionary as a top floor or attic room, especially a small, uncomfortable one, and traditionally inhabited by an artist. So the notion of a solitary artist working away in a garret is almost built in. And with it comes sometimes the sense of isolation and even reclusiveness. Artist Mary Lapos, since her retirement, has retreated to her studio on her farm in Danville and works away hours on end in isolation and solitude. She made it through the height of the COVID pandemic precisely, it would seem, because of her retreat into her painting life, but not unaffected, and this is key, not unaffected by the struggles and sufferings of the world at large. Mary has since childhood cared about others and their well-being, and she isn't totally cut off in her studio. Her art speaks of the beauty of the natural world and of the beauty of the people all around the world whom she's met, encountered in her travels, and those right next door. In fact, her biography tells us that she's a mixed-media artist best known for penetrating depictions of the human condition in and through paintings that seem to reach past the canvas into the soul of her subjects. Her latest efforts are focused on the interior landscapes and circumstances of those subjects. And with that as her passion, no wonder she works away hours at a time to make sure she captures as much of the beauty around her as she can. Her works are held in private and public collections in the United States, Europe, and India. She'll tell us her ability to dedicate herself to her art is the result of growing older. And in that light, such advancing in age has been a real gift. It is art, aging, and creativity that Mary Lapos will talk about with us this Monday evening on Keystone Edition Arts on WVIA-TV at 7, The Gifts and Challenges of Aging and Creativity. The show itself is titled The Golden Age of Creativity, and she'll be joined by artist Juan Espino of Hawley, who is also dedicated to people and community, and Dr. Catherine Richmond Cullen, who has done extensive research on the arts in the lives of older adults and has developed educational programs for professionals who work with older adults in creative environments. We had a chance to speak by phone with Mary Lapos to meet her before this Monday's TV program and to learn about her current exhibition at the Ned Smith Center for Nature and Art in Millersburg, Pennsylvania. Did the COVID pandemic have an impact on you and your work in any way? Well, I did produce a body of work. It was in a show in Bloomsburg last summer, and I found that I was interested in it mostly because I didn't want to forget. I didn't want to forget about the stages we went through before it started to sink in what was actually happening. And I found it remarkable that we couldn't see any further ahead in the beginning. It was going to be a bad flu season. It was, you know, just until, and all kinds of reasons and excuses that we were familiar with, but the real issue of what the pandemic was going to mean for us just wasn't even a glimmer in anybody's eye for the longest time. And um, so in that way, from an observer's point of view, 
that's the way I was affected by COVID. My life didn't change a whit because I just was out here painting in my studio. And uh, that's about what my life is like usually now that I'm older. That's one of the points I probably would like to make in the show is that I have limitations now that I'm older, physical limitations, but it means I can't do a lot of the farm work (laughs) and I get to paint instead. So that's like a big plus for me, even though I, I think about it and wish I could help, sort of, but the younger people are doing it now. So I'm off the hook and I get to paint. So that's been such a boon for me as I have grown older is that I am forced out of the rest of life just through limitations. But I'm not complaining because my alternative is that I get to spend whole mornings and whole afternoons and sometimes late into the night because I don't have to get up at the crack of dawn so much anymore. And and it's all so I can be in my studio. What does that mean? It sounds like you are so hungry to paint. What drives you? What is the fulfillment there? I'm sure my family wonders that too, but it, it is it is an absolute necessity. Wherever I have been in my life or whatever I've been doing has always had as the backdrop, can I get to paint or draw whatever it was I was doing? And, and actually, it finally did merge because my work was in the field of disabilities, developmental disabilities. And I met a lot of really interesting people, still friends all these years in my career as a teacher and then later as a supervisor and then as a facilitator and developer programming and stuff. But all of those years was in the back of my mind. And I did do some drawing and painting, but nothing like now, nothing like these last 10 years. And every year gets better because because I can do less and less physical stuff. I've led a life that's different than most women, uh, never mind women artists, it's just for most women, except the farm women I know, because I've been a 50-50 partner in the farm since we bought it in 70, and you know, my husband passed away about 20 years ago now, and I've been here by myself until my daughter and her family decided to come back. So that was a great day for me because I got to see my family again regularly, and they were able to help out with the farm stuff. And that continues to grow, that part of it. She's really bitten into it and loves it, just like I did. And so I just sort of disappeared into the studio, never to be seen again. You know, I, I am making up for so many years of wishing that I could be full-time, but unable to. And now I'm making up for it. And it's just one end to the other, clutter and piles of paper and paintbrushes that need to be washed, et cetera, et cetera. I wouldn't move into something else if you paid me. This is where I have been waiting to be all my life. Where does the sharing it with others come into it? Would you be just as happy if you kept the canvases stacked in your studio? Or is there an impulse to share it as you are doing now at the Ned Smith Center? Why do I do it? I usually end up in an advocacy role because that has been my, seems to be the invisible thread of my life, my whole life, ever since I was a kid. I was the one that got the kid who was getting beat up and crying and take them in and have the sisters put band-aids on their knees. I've always been that person. And uh, it started to blend with my career and art. In my last few years of working 
private kind of work outside of my sort of regular job with the intermediate unit. And I had a small company form that I did private work and private consultations with families. And so my work work and my artwork started to blend when I when I painted a picture of a fellow who's still my friend and his man with Down syndrome. And once he got a communication system in place and we were able to get to know him, you know, like who he really was and we formed a working relationship and I painted his portrait, which was wonderful for me because I love painting people because I can get on the inside and represent the person they really are, who they are. Maybe that's not comfortable for a lot of people. Uh, one of my art instructors over the years said, don't expect people to be lining up, Mary. They're going to hang the laundry out to dry. And I said, well, I don't do it out of curiosity. It just happens, and it does. But the fellow that has syndrome, he was a first topic in my natural penchant for advocating for people who, who maybe didn't have a voice of their own or hadn't had opportunities, that painting a painting and putting it on a wall gives you a lot of opportunity to, you know, get into your thing, whatever it is. And he was very helpful with other portraits that I did, and he had favorite portraits of other people that he would ask me to please put his painting next to theirs in shows because he understood their situation. Like a really old lady that I kind of based on my mom. And uh, he always wanted to be hung on the wall next to her portrait. It was just a really interesting time. And it branched out there to all kinds of issues that different people in different circumstances were experiencing. And I put together a really large show, Painting Invisible People, that we don't think about very much. And um, that was kind of a bestseller show. We went to Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and Harrisburg. And it lasted quite a long time and had a road life. And Mark the man with Down syndrome would come with me and, you know, help set up and advise and do other kinds of things. He was just here for my birthday party in October, lifelong friends. And so I find that I just turned another corner back into the advocacy world because at Christmas we had an enormous problem here with the cold weather and the wind and the precipitation. It was really bad here in the Susquehanna Valley. And we had five buildings that were all frozen with no electricity and no water. So that's kind of a hard road to hoe on a farm. So the guys that do the power line work, my daughter talked to them. First thing, the power went out, which was in the morning sometime. And they said, well, have it on by 6. And we worked outside all day trying to keep pipes open and stuff. And I'm telling you, I couldn't imagine how those guys got up on those poles in the wind and got anything fixed, but they did by 6 o'clock. And then I thought, you know... We're always quick to criticize these groups of people that, that without whom we would not be doing what we're doing. And so I, I started about a week or two ago on this group of men, construction guys, local guys, not everybody with their fancy hats and all that, but just local guys doing, you know, Mrs. McGillicuddy's sewer line that's blocked up and whatever, just around town, around the farm area here. And um, it ended up in a, t a triptych that I'm just finishing up. And uh, I was very happy with it. I was very happy to be doing it. And I, I want to do more of that. I want to do uh, maybe some people who work on farms, like still family farms. And maybe people could appreciate a little bit more what their piece or their role is in our culture today in the face of overwhelming odds with corporate farms. And just 
groups of people that don't get any representation in art. And that's kind of what I'm going to roll about now, whether it'll last me as long as the Painting Invisible People one that I don't know, but it's got my full attention right now. (laughs) Mary, you're very forthright about having had cancer and giving an example to women who are going through cancer treatments or having just been diagnosed and the role that art might play in their lives. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if you got the story about the painting that I did, that I didn't even know what I was painting, and I didn't. Uh, it's, I just started off doing a self-portrait. I do them every year, one, maybe two, three, because it helps me see what changes are happening for me that I'm not aware of and just stuff like that. But I started a second one to see if I could incorporate pen and ink line work in it, like I've done with several pieces, and I enjoy doing it because it's repetitive. It's almost hypnotic. But I ended up doing a picture of myself, and I thought it was just like the first one I did, and I was going to add lines. And I woke up, found asleep on the, uh, the canvas, and uh, I had painted a painting of myself after the mastectomy. And so that was, that's been a painting that uh, the, there's a Breast Cancer Coalition organization in Pennsylvania. I think that I said it right. And they had me featured in their newsletter. And I was going to actually talk at their state convention, but COVID got in the way. And, you know, I was not a very nice person to be around at the time, but I thought I had dealt with it. And then when the painting came out, I realized I've been carrying that stuff with me all those years. It just never came out. And there's sort of a defiance in the picture. There's a there's sort of a warrior image in the picture, which I didn't ever acknowledge, but I think that's how I got through it all, is I was just determined it wasn't going to beat me. Just a, you know, just a not typical Mary kind of personality. I'm kind of the whatever sort of type, and that, that was definitely a big change, a big digression to doing a self-portrait. It was a self-portrait I didn't even recognize. Not because it didn't look like me, but because the atmospheric quality of it was not something I acknowledge in myself or didn't until then. And in that way, it probably helped me greatly to continue with art and be as adamant about it as I am and as consistently, I don't know what, just belligerently expecting it at any moment I'm going to be on the cover of Time magazine because I'm an artist. <laughs> that doesn't go with, with Mary at all. So, But that was what was in the portrait. I am um, extremely determined and uh, belligerent cancer survivor. I think those two words would describe it well. Persistent and belligerent. People who tune into Keystone Edition Arts on WVIA-TV this Monday evening will have a chance actually to see the portrait you've just been describing. When you do your work generally, Mary, you're doing a landscape at one time, a portrait such as you've been describing at another. How do you choose the medium? It seems to choose me. I, I don't do many things in art that are planful because... It, it just happens to be the way I work. I'm kind of just the, I don't know, the table setting. And whenever the, the guest of honor comes and sits down, that's what 
That's what it is. And so if it's pastels, it isn't because I planned it. Or if it's watercolor, it usually isn't because I planned it. Or it's just convenient. Like watercolors are really convenient to take outside because all you've got to do is have a bottle of water and some paper. And, uh, you know, I, I end up doing plain air stuff with watercolor because of that, because oils are just kind of busy. You know, you have to have your stuff to rinse your brushes and your rags and canvas and easel and all that. And it's just easier to grab a little box of watercolors and a paper and someplace to sit. So that's usually what happens. A lot of the, well, a lot of the paintings in the show right now are in watercolor. And speaking of shows, tell us about your current exhibition. Well, it's in Millersburg, which is just about 20 minutes north of Harrisburg, I think, uh, up the river. And it's in a delightful location. I didn't know about it at all, but people from that part of the state seem to be quite familiar with the Ned Smith Center. Ned Smith was an artist who was very taken with the wildlife of Pennsylvania, and he did a lot of black and white drawings, uh, very realistic. He, he did a lot of paintings that were beautiful countryside scenes and forests and things like that. And after he died, uh, there was a grant somehow, and they built this beautiful, beautiful gallery. It's gorgeous, and it's got a lot of outside space that is specifically for children to be out discovering and playing, and they have it set up just for that purpose. And everywhere you look, it's just a beautiful place to be. And it's a beautiful, beautiful gallery just outside of town. The town is just sweet as can be. It's got little stores, and I found a caterer who is going to come and provide some refreshments for us during the reception, which is on the 11th of February. One to four in the afternoon, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I hope we have weather. It's uh, conducive. It will be nice. Artist Mary Lapos of Danville. Her works are held in private and public collections in the United States, Europe, and India. And she has an exhibition right now, as we just heard, at the Ned Smith Gallery for Nature and Art in Millersburg, Pennsylvania. The show will run through February 25th, and she's inviting us to the reception, which is Saturday, February 11th, from 1 to 4. Also, we get to meet Mary Lapos on Monday evening. She will be our guest on Keystone Edition Arts, the subject, The Golden Age of Creativity. And as she gave us a sense she has a loss of perhaps some physical abilities, but resulting from that, she has been able to devote herself more fully to her art, which fills her soul. And so we have a chance to talk with her, and you do too. You're welcome to be in the audience. Our guests include Mary Lapos and artist Juan Espino of Holly, who is also dedicated to people and community and he'll talk about his murals and his sense of the importance of art and community. And Dr. Catherine Richmond Cullen, who has done a good deal of research on the arts in the lives of older adults, and she's even developed educational programs for professionals who work with older adults in creative environments. So the show is Keystone Edition Arts. It's live from the studio here, and we're just off Interstate 81 and Pennsylvania Turnpike. Exits from those roads about a mile from the station, plenty of parking. 
The precipitation will have stopped by the noon hour, so the roads will be clear. It will be fine. So if you'd like to come, wvia.org slash events, wvia.org slash events. And if not, please tune in, if you can, to WVIA-TV, Keystone Edition Arts, this Monday evening at 7. We stream live online as well, and there will be many a rebroadcast of the show. That's the Golden Age of Creativity, and it's on Keystone Edition Arts on WVIA-TV. And join us if you can. Admission is free. We'd love to have you in the conversation, in the studio. And it's easy to get here, as I suggest. You can find everything on our website at wvia.org. And to let us know you're coming, that's all we ask. wvia.org slash events.